Welcome to the Attractions Group Podcast. This is episode 38. My name's Ryan, sir. With me, as always, is Don Helbig. Don, how you doing today? Doing great. That's great to hear. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, so for those of you who are listening for the first time, welcome. Uh, you can follow us at a t- on Twitter at attractions underscore GRP. Uh, you can find us on YouTube for the video version of this podcast by searching for the Attractions Group Podcast. Uh, you can find us on all your favorite podcast apps, Google, Spotify, Apple, and so on by searching for the Attractions Group Podcast. Uh, we have a link in the description where you can make a small donation to the show through the Buy Me a Coffee link. Uh, and for those of you who are listening, make sure you stick around because sometime later in the show, we're going to be giving away some prizes that you guys earned through our social media. So. Don, before we get started, I heard you have a new side hustle. What's going on with that? <laughs> yeah, a new side hustle. I launched a Substack. Um, the last couple years, uh, every time I go to a Reds game, which you know every summer I go to a lot, you know a lot of my friends and that would say, "Why do you keep going to all the games?" Because you know they were last place, and I would always say, "Well, you know the thing is, I'm a Reds fan, so I'm going to go. I'm going to support the team. I liked watching the young players develop and all those kind of things." So I decided to start a sub stack. I used that, uh, you know, theme that I would always tell people. It is called, thing is, I'm a Reds fan. And, uh, you know, a couple times, three, four times a week, I will um, write about some different uh, things going on with the Reds, uh, some different news notes, historical type things. And uh, it comes right into your email. And it's, uh, you know, you should subscribe. There is a paid version, but there's also the free version. So uh, if you're a Reds fan, check it out. Awesome. Cool. Well, good luck with that. That sounds really exciting. I am a subscriber. I'm a paid subscriber. And uh, the first couple articles have been cool because it's not your typical over analysis of the statistics of the game that nobody understands or cares about but you. Uh, one article that was really cool was kind of the history of Great American Ballpark because it turned 20. Uh, and then what was it? The top 10 Reds first baseman? Top five. Top five. Top five top first five. baseman. And I'm going to go around the diamond. So once a week, like uh, this week, it'll be second baseman. Then I'll go third baseman, shortstop, and then move around the outfield catcher, starting pitcher, relief pitcher. And that'll uh, take 10 weeks uh, to get all of that in. But, you know, just a lot of fun. And then there's also, you know, with these kind of features that I do, like the top you know, first baseman, there's also several different nuggets, you know, news and notes, who's hot, who's not, that kind of thing. That's awesome. Cool. You could do um, top 10 designated hitters before 2020. So you have to do your research for when they played away games at American League fields and who was a designated hitter and then rank them. Yeah. First Reds designated hitter, by the way. Do you know who it was? I have no idea who it was. 1976 World Series, Danny Dreesen. Okay. I was thinking modern era. Uh, so I was thinking like India or something like that. I still look at 76 as being kind of modern, Ryan. Well, I was thinking modern as in, you know, having the designated hitter in the National League. You know? oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> well, sure. I didn't mean modern. <laughs> anyway, this is not getting off on the right foot, Don. It's already not going well. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah. So what do we have on the docket today? Well, Ryan, you know, when you go to Orlando to visit places like Universal Studios, Disney World, uh, you know, you're going there for the all the thrill rides and, you know, all those kind of things. But give kids the world village. It's different. Uh, tonight, we're going to be talking about this storybook resort where, where uh, children with critical illnesses and their families are treated to week-long, cost-free vacations. And with that, we'd like to welcome in our guest, Steve 
Amos, and he is the VP of Advancement. How are you doing, Stephen? Great. Thanks for having me on tonight. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on the show. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with Give Kids the World? Sure. Uh, I am uh, been down in Florida for about um, just over 15 years. I got my start working in Disney marketing. I uh, spent about a decade over there opening up um, the Disney Dream, Disney Fantasy Cruise ships, working on you know some of the park activations like filming the Christmas Day Parade or some attraction filming. Uh, and then my last role with um, the Walt Disney Company is working for their Yellow Shoes creative agency, working as a producer. So working on the billboard campaigns. And a lot of that work happens third shift. Um, you know, Disney really has the power to add enough light to make it look like it's daytime in the middle of the night or do a lot of those interior type shots. And what was happening was uh, I was working, you know, midnight to 8 a.m. and then not knowing what to do with my time when I got home. Uh, so then I started volunteering in the middle of the day over at Give Kids the World. Um, there are, you know, a property that needs, you know, 1,800 volunteers a week to, to operate. Uh, and then after about a year, I just, I fell in love with it. I had my first child. My life had a little bit more perspective of, you know, what I really value. And then in 2017, I moved over full-time uh, working at Give Kids the World now. That's awesome. Well, Stephen, take us back to 1986. How does the Give Kids the World Village story begin? Sure. It's... Uh, the process for a wish fulfillment was very um, scattered prior to Give Kids the World. There are wish granting organizations all across the world. And then we start looking at, you know, wish granting organizations like Make-A-Wish. You know, there's Make-A-Wish Iowa, there's Make-A-Wish Ohio. Uh, and they were not all organized like they are today. Um, the wishes weren't equitable. They were taking three, four, five months because that local wish granting organization in that community would have to call a hotel, call Disney to get tickets, get a car rental. And a lot of these places rely on volunteers. So the time was just taking, uh, it was too long. Um, children weren't able to make it um, to their wish because of these barriers of time. Uh, and what happened was our founder, Henry Landworth, was a, a hotel owner um, just outside of the Disney World property, had the first holiday in um, over on the uh, on the Westgate side of the property there. And he every time he got a call, uh, he would take them. He lost his childhood. He's a Holocaust survivor. Um, so he definitely understands what it is to, to lose so much in life. Um, and then, you know, he took a call from a, a wish child named Amy, uh, and there was a cancellation. Um, it, time had passed, uh, and something really stuck with Henry. Uh, and he said, you know, what do we need to be doing? So he he reached out to Make-A-Wish and some of the other larger wish grant organizations across the country and said, what do you need? And they all said the same thing. We need a place. We need a place that the kids can come to, where it is a you know, streamlined, seamless process that, you know, even today, if we got a call right now, they could come tomorrow and start their wish. Uh, and that's exactly what we need to be doing uh, for that. So over the last you know, 37 years, we've now welcomed over 185,000 wish children. Uh, and the, the desire to come to Central Florida, it's the number one wish. Every other child in the entire world who has a wish comes to Central Florida. Uh, and it's because you know what these attractions have to offer and the seamless process that we make it for these wish granting partners. Well, that's really cool and very interesting story. Um, so there, so Give Kids the World is not just an organization, it's a place. There's Give Kids the World Village. Can you talk about the experience that kids and families have when they uh, visit Give Kids the World Village? Yeah, it, it's a true destination. Um, you know, when you look at a place like Disneyland Park, that's 85 acres. We're 89 acres. We are a sprawling campus where, you know, there's 166 houses for these kids to stay at. They all have two bedroom, two bathroom, living room, kitchen, dining room. It's a true house for these families when they come here for their week-long cost-free vacation. But then the property itself is, we are a theme park too. We have four attractions that are all wheelchair accessible. And when we talk about accessibility, we don't, the children don't need to transfer 
out of their wheelchairs to ride our attraction. Sam Perla retrofitted three of our newest attractions that a wheelchair can actually go onto the attraction and uh, bolt in. So we have a Dumbo attraction, for example. It's a it's a spinner attraction where you can pedal to go up and down. Um, but they created that if you don't have mobility in your legs, you can actually hand crank to go up and down. We have a swing attraction there where they ripped out the middle section and then we can lock in the wheelchair. Our train that goes around our property, one of the ride vehicle cars, it, the wall's actually a ramp to allow that child in a wheelchair to ride. But then also you look at the property, we have a movie theater, we have a spa, we have a uh, a place called Olivia's Oasis where parents can now get massages while they're, when they're on their wish trips there. We have three dining locations. We have a horse growl, sports courts. It really is an all-inclusive resort for these wish kids. And it's never busy. There's no queues or lines at Gift Kids World. We have attractions, uh, but there's no lines. And those attractions operate 12, 14 hours a day. And if you want to ride the carousel 25 times in a row, you're more than welcome to. There is never a queue to kick you out of the attraction. So it really is a special place that um, it's just right outside the gates of Walt Disney World for these families. So they can zip into the parks during the daytime. They have these accelerated passes that get them to the front of line of everywhere at Disney, Universal, and SeaWorld. And then they retreat back to the property around 5 o'clock and you know, enjoy our parties and our activities in the evening. Yeah, Stephen, a couple of years ago, I had a chance to um, tour the village and, you know, really, you know, touched by what I saw and just a magical place. Uh, talk about the impact that the yeah, village it, has. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm never able to say a line of like, I know what you're going through. Uh, I, I don't know. I have two children who are healthy. They have a, a bad cough. I call my dad right away and say, can you listen to this? You know, these parents truly have been to hell and back. Um, and for something, it's camaraderie that when they're there, there's 165 other families who do know what they're going through. There's a community there where no one's looking at their child because, you know, they don't have hair or their child's in a wheelchair. You know, nobody talks religion or politics in the walls of Give Kids the World. It's something where there's, you know, no, no doctors, there's no poking, prodding. You know, we encourage you to eat ice cream for breakfast when you're on your wish up there. So there's something special within the walls of the village. It restores some some hope and optimism for these kids. And for some of them who've been in the hospital for, you know, years of their lives, it's something that they are, it's a North Star for them. It's something they're looking forward to and they're getting the treatments. It's something that they continue to fight for. So when they get this beautiful vacation, it's it's everything that they hope for. And we try to build that community for when they when they leave the park that the conversation doesn't end there. So it, it's something, um, it's truly special. I never thought I'd leave the Walt Disney Company. That is a very wonderful place with a lot of roles and opportunities. Um, but the real impact is, you know, we're still, the kids are still going to Disney World. I mean, Mickey Mouse still comes to give kids the world. I still have that in my life, but there's something um, a little bit more special about that impact you have with those wish kids. You're doing incredible work. I mean, and, and it's known absolutely the world over. But uh, you mentioned that you had retrofitted rides. You got several attractions. You got ice cream for breakfast. How yeah. is this all made possible? Yeah, it's um, it, it, twofold. Um, we have incredible relationships. Um, when you look at a partner like you know Disney, Universal, or SeaWorld, I mean, they do in-kind the tickets. So, you know, imagine what the cost of 8,000 three-day park hopper tickets would be at Walt Disney World right now. It's over $20 million. So the theme parks are excited because they're part of this process now where it's streamlined for them also. Um, so, you know, they get involved in very unique ways. I mean, not only does Disney provide the park tickets, one of the biggest thing is they do our laundry. You know, that's over a million dollars. Imagine 166, you know, basically houses uh, where they turn that over 8,000 times a year for us. That's a huge win. They send the characters to us. I mean, they do our telecom services. They do our pest management. These theme park partners, the whole IAPA industry is somehow involved at Give Kids the World. 
And you wouldn't know it because we don't allow any partners to promote their brand while they're on property with us. I mean, nobody would know that Vacoma bought our carousel for us 27 years ago, um, but they did. Uh, and that's a relationship that's you know, still special to this day. Uh, but then I also manage a team of about 20 uh, and it's our, our marketing and our fundraising team. So we are out in the communities um, trying to fundraise us. Um, you know, it's about $15 million cash a year that we need to raise and about $35 million in in-kinds that we have to raise. And, um, you know, for people, who, of course, who are in the industry, costs are only going up um, exponentially uh, for, you know, labor is not what it used to be a couple of years ago for us. So um, it's true partnerships and awareness, you know, like shows like this that really are helping to make it all possible. Incredible. Steven, you mentioned 185,000, uh, you know, kids have visited this village. Um, that's an awful lot of smiles that, uh, you know, you put on the faces of these kids and the family with what they're able to do when they're there for that week. It, it is. Uh, and, you know, 28,000 children every single year are diagnosed with a, a life-threatening or critical illness. So, you know, we're only really scratching the surface. Uh, I mean, we are always growing. When we started the property, we had eight, eight villas. Uh, we're up to 166. Our blueprint of our, you know, our 10-year strategy shows we're building 48 more villas on property. You know, it's it's we never like to brag about big numbers. Um, it, it's you know, it's our our ultimate goal is that we go out of business. We've solved everything, um, but that's not the case. Um, so what we're proud of is that we're able to continue to fulfill all the wishes that are out there that are needed. Um, but like you said, you know, it's it's we don't have shareholders. Uh, it's it's the kids, and there's something really special about you know someone who is a donor or a volunteer or someone who's spreading awareness and don you said you've been there it's mm -hmm. it's a rare charity where you get to go there and you can see that impact in real time and every story is so special um i mean you look at like a state like ohio every 16 hours a wish child from the state of ohio is coming to give kids the world um so the the impact across this whole country and a lot of people don't even realize that they know someone who's been to give kids the world a lot of people know, I know a wish child that went to Disney World. Um, you know, again, being the VP that covers marketing, you know, being the best kept secret is like no VP of marketing's like favorite slogan. Uh, you know, we wish that everybody knew the name, but we take great pride that, you know, 91 cents of every dollar goes back to the mission because I don't spend any money on proactive marketing. Uh, we don't need to, you know, we don't need to be recruiting wish kids to come to give kids the world. Um, so it's that struggle of, you know, how will someone know what we're doing out there? It's the wish families who are going back into the community and sharing the stories of that impact. Yeah, absolutely. And it's always it's funny that you mentioned like your your goal is essentially to go out of business because I always thought of that about doctors. Their goal is to get everyone <laughs> healthy, but if everyone's healthy, then what are they going to do? You know. Yeah. Um. No, you mentioned that like a lot of things. Um. You know, costs are rising, and that's no secret to anybody. Um. What are some of the fundraisers you guys do? The one I'm most familiar with is coasting for kids, but. Talk about Coasting for Kids as well as everything else you do to raise funds. Yeah, I mean, Coasting for Kids is one of the most fun ones, of course. Um, that, you know, that's a, uh, that started off as a Cedar Fair initiative almost 20 years ago, which is, uh, um, you know, dating the, itself back to the the origins of it all. Um, but that is a uh, an event now that's, it's across the country. We, the families um, and, you know, coaster enthusiasts, if they raise $100, the theme park opened the gates for free. And they do you know, early access to the attractions. There's a meal included, a cool t-shirt. It's a way that, you know, a lot of these theme park partners you get to be part of that story. You know, they get to do, host an event where they get to see, you know, 200, 300 wish kids and their family members out there in the parks. And that's an event that raises, you know, just under $200,000 a year. Uh, and when we talk about the IAPA relationships, it, it's it's bountiful. It is incredible. I mean, for people who have been on the IAPA show floor in November, 
it, it's it's constant. We we host a five k. We you know we do a motorcycle ride. We do a golf classic. All of those things are continuing to grow for the mission. Um, and I think there's just something very relatable with the industry that understands what the the true value and the impact is at Give Kids a World. Um, and something that you know Don had the absolute pleasure of hosting, and we're we're forever grateful for was our national bus tour we did last summer. And we kind of talked about, you know, when does this, you know, what's the continued story once the family leaves, give kids the world. And what happened was we were starting to do coasting for kids across the country. And these events are having 30, 40, 50 wish families at the, at them. And these families are looking at each other going like, do you live in Cincinnati also? And like, yeah, but they, they didn't know. There was no, you know, network or camaraderie being built post wish. So then we decided to load up a tour bus last summer, travel 4,000 miles every single day. We woke up in a new state and we were in a new theme park, you know, ranging from, you know, Dollywood to Carowinds, to Sesame Place to Kings Island. Every single day we held this blockbuster event where, I mean, Kings Island welcomed over 500 wish kids and their family members. And it's this impact where these families are continuing to raise funds uh, after their wish trips been completed because they want to be part of that next generation of wish kids that are coming out. Uh, to give kids a world. So, you know, we do the traditional 5K, we do the golf classics, you know, we do a lot of those types of things. Uh, but when we get back out into uh, outside of Florida, it's the theme park partners who are the ones who are opening their gates and their arms to allow us to have a venue to do some fundraising at. Awesome. So talk about the summer road trip that you have planned this year. What <laughs> are um, the different stops that you're going to be making on that trip? It is um, soon to be released, but I, I have uh, no qualms sharing anything. Um, so this summer we are uh, kicking off the tour in Texas, uh, and then we're going north. Um, and then the bus gets up to about uh, Six Flags Great America area down to Holiday World, um, and then we are getting all the way back down to. Um, I mean, we'll be in Kings Island. That's the uh, a repeat uh, location for us, which is big. But um, you know, Texas is uh, one of those states where you know we've welcomed just under twelve thousand wish kids from Texas. So when we talk about Dallas and San Antonio, those types of locations. It's going to be a situation where the, the the park capacity will not be able to hold the amount of wish kids that are in that community who would want to come out to an event like that. And for us, again, that's just a, a sign that we need to be getting out more often. And Cincinnati and uh, Six Flags Over Georgia will be two repeat parks for us. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, I assume everybody who had a great experience is going to want to come out again. Plus, we've cultivated a whole other set of families over the last year who are going to want to uh, stay connected. So. It, it's a it's a great concept. Um, I mean, wish kids are able to raise uh, if they fundraise a certain amount of money this year, they get to have a star um, placed on the on the bus. And the star is something that, you know, I assume you went into the castle. The castle is the most special building that Give Kids the World has because everything that we do at the village it is, is designed for the entire family. Siblings have been impacted because, you know, oftentimes parents are at the hospital with the wish child through treatment, you know, they're staying at uncle's aunts, they're at grandma and grandpa's house, but we want when they're at the village to have a family experience. We, at one point, the dining locations are spread out across property. So we saw, you know, mom and daughter eating in one location and then dad and son eating somewhere else. And that's not what we wanted. So we created this consolidated approach. However, the castle is the one location that is really dedicated for the wish children. And when they check in, we give them a gold star. And they can write their name, date, they can draw, they can do whatever they want with that star. But it's a tangible piece that stays um, with the village forever. And we hang it up on our ceiling in our castle. And again, it's one of those things that, you know, how can you define what, you know, the number 180,000 looks like? Well, you get into our castle and you look up at the ceiling and you look in the star tower and all the buildings that we've had to add on since then. That's that impact. So when you look at the tour bus this summer, 
it's going to be full of stars. Uh, and our wish families will definitely know um, what that impact really means. Yeah, I've been in the castle and you're right. I mean, that is, I mean, it's very impactful when you see that and know that that's how many different families that have been there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I've actually, uh, I've heard of that too. Um, very, very touching in a lot of ways. But um, so another way that you guys raise funds is through auctions. Um, tell us a little bit about the auctions, like the the sort of things that that come up to be available through the auctions. It's funny. Um, there's a, a gentleman who used to be uh, over at Kennywood, Nick Paradise, uh, and he reached out to me. Uh, he's very competitive, um, and he specifically chose the uh, the Coasting for Kids used to all be on the same date throughout the year. And now we allow the parks to pick a, a slower weekend. So some of them kick off in June. Some of them are going through September. I mean, Kennedy Lake, for crying out loud, is hosting a Halloween-based event for their coasting for kids. But Nick always chose to go last because he wanted to see how much every other park raised and see how much money he needed to raise to always get number one. We created a $15 plaque that was uh, a mini people competed for. Uh, and he said, hey, uh, we're decommissioning Logjammer. Uh, and there's, you know, the, the public outcry is not the most positive news when you remove that attraction. Uh, and they're trying to figure out, can we auction off a log jammer ride vehicle for the village for our coasting for kids page? Um, and we said, of course, and the thing raised $12,000 in the auction. The best part of it all was this guy, um, comes fix it up. He, um, Nick's really great at getting local uh, media affiliates out there. So he has a couple, this is on YouTube. I, I watch it whenever I feel like I've done something really kind of like dumb. I go back to this media clip and go, well, at least I wasn't this guy. Uh, I, I love him to death, but he's on air and he's talking about what am I going to do with this ride vehicle? He goes, well, I'm a realtor. I'm going to float this log flume down the river and I'm going to talk about uh, my real estate business. And that's where Nick's like, the log flume doesn't float. It, it's a, <laughs> a ride vehicle. It's going to sink. And I think this guy like had this realization that he just spent $12,000 on a ride vehicle. That's like, oh, oh yeah, I'm still, I'm still good with this. Um, uh, and then you know, Nick's great because he goes, do you have a bidder who bid 11,900 then? We go, yeah. He goes, sell it. Um, like sell, sell through as many as you can. So Kennywood over the years now has probably raised 50 or $60,000. Um, and, and right now my director of um, development is actually having dinner with the park president from Kennywood to talk about, um, you know, what do they want to add? But Bush Gardens Williamsburg is uh, cutthroat also. Um, and last year, I mean, they had a big bad wolf ride vehicle. They had a Loch Ness monster front car from the 40th anniversary. Uh, and then this year they were taking down mock tower, uh, and the park's like, you want anything? And I was like, I'll take literally anything you are willing to give me off your drop tower attraction. And I said, up to the point of, I said, can I have uh, your test seat? And they go, sure. And, uh, they said, I'm like, can I have all of the signage? They go, sure. And I mean, the, um, the test seat sold for over a thousand dollars. Uh, and I was like, can I have all your control panels? And they go, no, we, we, we cut the line. We're not that we're drawing the line at control panels for you. I was like, all right, I just want to test to see how far we can go. <laughs> but um, th that part, I mean, these parks now across the country and the other funny one that we have is Lake Compounds, um, you know, a, a palace, you know, park, a sister park to Kennywood was like, oh, we want to participate also. And this is the year that the log jammer is out there and they offered up their log jammer ride vehicle that Kennywood had donated to them for parts in case that their log flume attraction were to break. And that's where Nick at Kennywood was like, how dare you sell a log jammer ride vehicle for your auction? That's my, that's our gift that we gave you for parts. But it's all friendly competition within the industry. You know, they're all competing to raise the most funds for the village. So it, it's been really special to see um, the parks getting involved at that level because these coaster enthusiasts, these clubs, I mean, Ace uh, and Coaster Crew, they're hustling. I mean, they're 
they, you know, we just got a $6,000 gift from ACE uh, in the mail last week from uh, a pledge that they wanted to make to, um, to give Kids World to fulfill the cost of a wish. But ACE has a team in every single location that they go to, uh, and they're a mighty, they typically win every single one. ACE has raised over $100,000 in coasting for kids over the past 10 years. So there's a lot of these loyal groups out there who definitely understand um, why a wish child would want to go to a theme park. It's an easy alignment for them. You know, let's touch base real quick about ACE and coasting for kids. A lot of coaster enthusiasts, it's all about how many rides I can, you know, accrue in one day or something at a park. They love marathoning the rides. What I found in my involvement with coasting for kids uh, events, um, both being part on the, uh, you know, just overseeing it at the park, you know, the function, but also uh, being a participant at other parks is it doesn't take long for all the participants to realize that, you know, what they're doing, what it's about, what it's for. And as they meet these families that are there those days, it, totally different perspective about it. And then it takes on a whole new meaning when you're riding the rides over and over again. It's not just, you know, building up your ride count. There's a totally different meaning to that. And, and I found that to be very rewarding uh, to watch how everyone kind of understood what this day was about when they're doing that event. It, that, that's a hundred percent true and what we saw on the bus tour this past year is that you know there was coasting for kids available in some of the parks that we went to but in exchange this past year we said would you rather be a volunteer as an acer instead of you know it was you know dollywood was the example of like you guys have it's wildwood grove like you've done these attractions they're very flat ride-esque do you really need to be doing ert on those or do you want to be out there actually um, with the families? And they all agreed to be the volunteers at the event. And I think you're right. That's where they see that difference. They meet the families. They get to have a conversation. And I think, you know, they raised funds to volunteer, which is kind of a funny thought process. But they, they had a better understanding. And we've seen this whole shift now where it's an 80-20 split. Now 80% of the riders that come to Coasting for Kids are Wish families. And 20% are Coaster enthusiasts. Because we used to spend all of our time trying to get Coaster enthusiasts out there. And that's where... You know, that, uh, like it was Bush Gardens and Kenny were like, why are you limiting the number? We never told you to cut it at 75 people. It, trying to get 75 coaster enthusiasts in a city is a challenge. But as soon as you start in, uh, introducing and welcoming wish families, then the floodgates open. And the theme parks love to see that. They want to have that impact on that one day where, you know, 400 wish kids and their family members are out there. Um, and I made this dig by accident. It was Six Flags St. Louis. I have nothing against the park. Um, they, I assume they're a wonderful park. We're seeing them on the bus tour this summer. And, I, you know, their, their park president, who's now the park president of Six Flags Great America, he's a dual president. You know, the, the conversation was not a lot of kids are wishing to come to Six Flags St. Louis. I mean, when a child is given a wish, they will probably go to Disney World if they're looking for a theme park. But what they said is they want to be part of the story. So that's why they do the IAPA World Passport program, because if they're not wishing to come to Six Flags St. Louis, they want to see the wish kids. And the IAPA World Passport program is the ultimate best annual pass you could have. It's when a family leaves Give Kids the World, there are now 200 theme parks and FECs across the country now that will allow the Wish family to go there for free for one year. So you get these families now who are leaving Orlando and will drive back north to their home and they'll stop at all these locations. They'll stop at the Six Flags. Every single Cedar Fair Park is on the list. Every single Six Flags, Hershen, it's these blockbuster parks because they said they want to be part of that story where they get to see those wish kids while they're there. So, again, I, 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 it's, it's 
overwhelming how the IAPA industry is, you know, through the pandemic, they were the ones calling us to see how we were doing. And there's something special about that, that industry where, you know, there was no competition for a little while there. Everybody was just making sure that everybody was okay. Um, and I thought that was, you know, really kind of reaffirmed that, you know, we're proud to be aligned with that type of industry. Awesome. All right. Well, Stephen, what's new this year? Give kids the world. We got a couple things. Um, so this next week we open up, um, we've been soft testing uh, soft opening right now, but it's called Olivia's Oasis. So Gift Kids the World has a gym. It's called the GI Joe gym. I've been there for six years now and I've never seen anybody ever work out at Give Kids the World. Um, our ice, uh, ice cream parlor is directly next to our gym. So I think that you hit this crossroads in your life of like, I'm here for a week, I'm gonna eat ice cream every single meal. So we decided to take out the gym uh, about six months ago. And we worked with partners like Massage Envy because our big initiative this year, we're focusing on how do we take care of caretakers? The, you know, the parents, the doctors, the nurses, grandparents, everybody who's been, you know, who's also been stressed out and has had a lot of, you know, burden on them over the last couple of years. How do we take care of them? So at Give Kids a World, if you've ever been to Walt Disney World, the Bippity Boppity Boutique is known as like, you can get this overlay of princess or prince. Um, we have that there at the, the village also. Hasbro built that for us. So, you know, kids can get their hair done, have nails done. We have an airbrush tattoo parlor because why wouldn't you want to have that? But in the place of the gym, so now while the kids are getting all uh, looking beautiful, the parents can now break away to this new location that opens up next Tuesday. And it's four different rooms with massage chairs, you know, different things for the parents that um, they can get while at the same time. So we're taking care of the kids and the parents in the same venue. And then we're breaking ground next uh, next month with a company called um, uh, Adirondack Studios. And they're really well known for, um, they built the queues for Flight of Passage and uh, Rise of the Resistance, a really um, incredible company here in Central Florida. And we're building a steam facility. So Garner Holt, um, who is well known for all of their animatronics across the country, is building an animaker space at Give Kids a World. So now kids are going to be able to learn how to make animatronics on their wish trip. But also in the venue, the other half of it is kids are going to learn how to do 3D printing, modeling. There's going to be soldering. There's going to be robotics in there. There are so many manufacturers and suppliers in Central Florida that want to be part of this process too. So uh, probably opening next January or February, um, the best laid plans um, will be eventually, essentially what I call like if Interventions was still around today, the 2023 version of it, but we received a multi-million dollar gift uh, from a, a single donor to make a STEM facility for the, you know, we're looking at teenagers now because Don, you've been there. Our, our attractions are very much, you know, they're for, you know, all ages, um, but they might be geared more towards a four or five, six, you know, I, I sometimes ride the train and it's, it's, it's cramped. Um, so Mayor Clayton's Wonder Lab, which is our STEM facility, is really going to be designed for all ages, but a huge focus on that 12 to 18 year olds that come for their wishes. That's awesome. I, I like how you're catering to to older kids too. And, you know, one thing that kind of rings with me is that, um, it, and uh, this is something that I've kind of thought was unique about Give Kids the World uh, in a lot of instances for years now is that if you've got uh, a sick brother or sister, uh, that I mean, that affects the whole family. I mean, everybody is suffering on behalf of that. Uh, so I like how everybody's kind of treated. You don't forget the fact that there's other people in that pod with them. Um, so, so I think I think that's really cool that uh, it's the siblings of a wish child are like the most fearless, uh, protective siblings you've ever met in your life. And like 
uh, like makes me emotional when I see the interactions of a, a sibling with their wish child because they've just they've grown up with that their entire life and they're protective and they're passionate and it is a life that they're not deterred. They don't ever judge them based off of their, you know, being in a wheelchair or anything. It's some it, it's, you know, again, I got two kids of my own now who are three and five. So now I look at these children, and I just go, they are so mature for their age. Um, and they've gone through so much. And so that's why we try to give them this week here where they don't think about anything on this trip except for how do they have fun uh, and how do they terrorize their parents. Um, it's funny. We were just doing this um, this uh, Wi-Fi bandwidth study at the village ago. You know, do we need to be increasing um, internet? And we did this usage study. And it's fascinating. So the parents, uh, the, the internet Wi-Fi usage at the village, even up until 2 o'clock in the morning, is high in their in the villa so clearly people are laying down in bed exhausted and, and just sitting there on their phones but it's you know these parents are they're 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 getting their work cut out for them it's something that's kind of um i would never have thought of this until i started working there is that you know anybody can attempt to do a 14-hour theme park day and they think they can do it and you might get to the end of the day and then you wake up that next morning with a whole lot of regret um, that's most days that I play with my children extensively as I wake up with a bad back. Um, I saw this golf cart vehicle that was uh, a long game. It was custom made, and it's this breakfast buffet vehicle. So sometimes I wish I would wake up feeling sick. Sometimes family will feel exhausted that they don't want to walk down to the breakfast hall. So we have a breakfast buffet golf cart that you can call, and it'll drive directly into your driveway. And then you can just go out of your house, get all the same food, and then eat in your own kitchen. And then we convert that golf cart in the evening to be fresh baked cookies and lemonade. So I, I, I dream of a world that I can live in a world where there is a, uh, a vehicle that drives around handing out uh, fresh baked chocolate chip cookies and lemonade for me. Um, but it's one of those things that you're tripping over the special things that happen at the village. And I, I want to highlight one more is that we celebrate holidays at the village in a very special way. Every single day of the week is a different holiday. A lot of these kids have um, missed out on holidays or the unfortunate reality is that they might not make it to the next holiday. So for example, you know, Thursday, it's Christmas every Thursday at Give Kids the World. Santa comes, it snows, there's some parade floats, there's a toy shop for the kids there, there's inflatables, there's lights. It's a really special event. Every Monday is Halloween. And then on Wednesdays, it is Mayor Clayton's surprise birthday party. We have a six foot tall bunny rabbit. He's our Mickey Mouse. And the kids get together for our birthday party and they surprise Mayor Clayton and they have cake and it is birth it is a celebration. So these families are coming back from the park at you know four or five o'clock because they have that the, it's called the wish pass or the genie pass or the express pass, depending on what park you're going to. They can go ride right now, they can ride Tron 10 times in a row if they want to. There's no limit or weights for wish kids. So they can they can complete a Magic Kingdom style park in six hours if they want to. So that's why we see all 1,000 of the wish kids and the family members and the siblings coming back in the evening and celebrating Christmas or Halloween or birthday uh, with us. When I was talking to uh, Lauren and Leah up at Holiday World, I was like, we, have to, we basically have a mini little Holiday World park at Give Kids a World because we really do go through the carousel holidays. The only thing we don't do that they do is we don't really celebrate Thanksgiving uh, <laughs> weekly. So it's, uh, it's something that's really special. That's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, you, you mentioned volunteers and, and fundraisers and stuff. Where can people find information on how to get involved? Yeah. Volunteering is, is so critical to us. When we talk about this increase in labor costs, 
we save $8 million a year with volunteer labor offsetting things that uh, looking at a, what a park would be having to staff. Uh, it takes about 22,000 active volunteers a year to fill 1800 shifts a week. Uh, and that ranges from, you know, serving breakfast to, you know, the gift giving for the wish kids to, um, you know, operating instructions to, you know, to working at our pool bars. It is, we save all of the fun shifts for the volunteers. And then we let all the boring stuff go to the, the staff who works on my team. Uh, so it's, it's really, it's, and the time commitment is, it should not be overwhelming at all. If you have two hours available on your vacation in Orlando, we want you. If you're going to go to Disney Springs, you're going to go shop at two o'clock in the afternoon. Come serve breakfast. You can do your orientation all online. If you do that one shift and that's all you do with us ever, that's fine. There is no minimum requirement, um, and you can start volunteering at the uh, as young as the age of twelve in our um, in our dining area. So it's a great family experience. That if you're coming out with some middle school or high schoolers and you want them to kind of see the village, it's the opportunity to come into our gates because Gift Kids World's not open to the public. You have to have a reason to be there, um, which is. The special part about you know the 5k is the only time that unless you're volunteering you get to come to get unless you know me or you know somebody there but it is mm -hmm. uh volunteering is something so impactful it is when we read our guest scores it's <laughs> the storytelling that they hear about these volunteers who give up the gift of time to be there with our families and for them you know pam always says the the volunteers give out they get more than they give um there is something that you know renews it's something in your spirit when you get to have those interactions with the wish families and the wish families are you know it is it's it's so special. I mean, I, again, I was so moved by my volunteer experience so that I ended up I said, leaving Walt Disney World to go there. And at that point, it was a big step backwards in my career. But for me, it was uh, fulfillment and happiness. I always joke, you know, my job at Disney, it's like people would go, You're, the title was producer at uh, Walt Disney World. Like, how cool of a title is that? But then I always, you know, when I came home, I was like, I still complained about my hours, my boss, myself. Like, nothing was ever enough for me. Uh, and then when I took a job at the village, like, how dare I ever complain about anything? And it's something that's so overwhelming that you meet these wish families uh, and they're thanking you for everything that you're doing. Like you, you're the people that have gone through so much in your life that like is, it is again, it is a perspective change from a volunteer or staff perspective. You have to come out to this place to see it, uh, to believe it. I always tell people when I explain give kids a world, it's a run on sentence. I'm like, there's rides and a pool and a spa. And they're like, I don't even understand what you're saying anymore. That sounds like a fictional place. But when you come out to the place, you really do believe it. Absolutely. Now, um, is, is there information for how to get involved, like on your website or? Yep. If you just go to givekidsworld.org, um, volunteer is a big old button on there. And I said that, that was a, a silver lining of the pandemic. We made everything um, digital now. So orientation used to be in person for a couple hours. You had to choose a very specific time. Now, if you're in Missouri and you want to do that orientation two months before your trip, have at it. And you get to select your shift, so you know what you're doing before you come there. So if you really want to be the uh, the train operator that day, you better believe it, it's 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 so awesome that you can. There are some attractions that, with enough training on site, you can operate an attraction at Give Kids the World. That's cool. We'll link to your website in the description as well. Appreciate it. Steven, it's really been an honor. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for what you do, of course. I, I don't think I, I let off with that, but I should have. But it's been an honor to have you on the show. Um, you, will you come back in, in some time and kind of talk about what you have going on? Yeah, we, and I said, of course, and I appreciate it. Because like I said, we don't spend a lot of money on on marketing. So it's you know, it's podcasts and shows like this that really are making it possible because it just takes one person to tell another person to make this all possible. And I said, this type of audience definitely can understand the correlation of, you know, 
why a child wishes to go to a theme park for their wish. And that's something so special about this industry that I think that's, you know, we, I never want anybody to lose sight that, you know, every other kid in the world wants to go ride a ride. And that's, that's special. And I just noticed somehow the sun was up at the beginning of this. And now the sun is completely gone at the end of this. And my, my lighting is completely awful. Now. <laughs> You're fine. Actually, I, I noticed <laughs> that it was sunnier there than it is here <laughs> about, yeah, about a half hour ago. But Stephen, yeah. thanks again. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, so givekidstheworld.org is your website, correct? Again, it'll be linked right, in the yep. description. There's information where to donate, how to volunteer. Um, again, volunteering, you'll get more out of it than you put into it. But it sounds like a kind of cool thing to do. I mean, I wouldn't mind running the train. I'm a grown man, and I need an excuse to run a kid's train. Come on. If you, if you ever wanted to work at Dave & Buster's, you know, we have a full arcade there also. I got I got a lot of um, skee-ball action when I used to volunteer before I was a staff member there. And I got a lot of that freestyle basketball practice while I was volunteering there also. Another benefit, you work on your skills. <laughs> I mean, it's so... Even next time I'm in, I'm in Orlando, I'm certainly going to volunteer. And, uh, you know, Ryan, I think... How about you come along with me? We'll both operate uh, the train. I was thinking the same thing. We'll make a road trip out of it. Uh, it will fly. I'm not driving to Orlando, but we'll fly down there. I'm taking, we'll... the, I'm taking the bus there, so you guys can make the drive. Down. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, when when are you coming with the um, with the tour to to the? I do ever I do everything but drive the bus on that tour. So. Um, yeah, you better believe it. Selfishly, I, I, of course, I'm a theme. I mean, I'm wearing my Zip and Pippin T-shirt. I noticed that. Uh, uh, I mean, diehard, come on, Green Bay fan. Uh, go Elvis. Yeah, yeah I was that, wondering, um, I was wondering yeah. if you are going to bring up that that was Elvis Presley's favorite <laughs> roller coaster. <laughs> Trust me, it's all we talk about when we like when we reference Zip and Pippin. It's like we have we're required to say that, I think. Um, but no, it's a. Uh, I, I only create events that give kids or all the things that I also, if I have to give up my entire week of traveling, it's, it, I want it to be at places that I want to go to. So of course I travel to every single one of those theme parks across the country. Sure. Well, I tell you what, let's, uh, let's reconnect uh, around then when you're in town and we'll talk about uh, how the tour is going and what you guys have planned yeah. for the near term future. And uh, we'll move from there. Cool. I appreciate it guys. Thank you awesome. so much. Thank you so much. Stephen. Right. So once again, uh, Stephen from Give Kids the World. That's givekidstheworld.org. Thank you so much. Well, Ryan, it was great having Stephen on from Give Kids the World. Uh, just a great organization. And again, if anyone has time to volunteer, you know, definitely do it when you're in the Orlando area. It's going to be a life-changing experience for you. Talking about experiences, Ryan, you recently were in East Tennessee, Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg. So what'd you do while you were there? You know, Don, I, I did a lot. Um, I actually stayed at Dollywood's Dream More Resort, uh, attended Dollywood's uh, 50th anniversary of the song, I Will Always Love You by Dolly Parton, of course. Um, I got to check out Big Bear Mountain. It is not open, but I got to see it uh, in its full circuit beauty. Um, I saw the Hatfields and McCoys dinner show, which was really, really cool. And, uh, what else? Oh yeah. I went to a, a new putt putt golf place. That's called the toy box. That's themed to toys, but you know what? We don't really have a lot of time to talk about this. So we're going to be putting this on YouTube exclusively. So follow us on YouTube by searching for the attractions group podcast and giving us a subscribe. And that way you can hear all I had to say, because there's some really in interesting things going on at Dollywood and the dream more resort. And I have to ask you, while you were in Tennessee, did you get a chance to check the construction progress of Bucky's, uh, which is right across the street from that exit? I did, and it's so the the uh, construction is exactly where I thought it would be. You know, right on the hill across from the exit. Uh, they were painting 
the sign, the Bucky sign on the okay. gasoline awnings. So basically, as it stands now, if all the construction workers walked away, you would be able to recognize it as a Bucky's at this point. It opens in a month, so the better, you know. <laughs> well, our last episode, we mentioned if we got over 500 followers, we would give away a Knott's Berry Farm boysenberry uh, a pen. Very, very good item. And we also, on our Twitter, um, put out a post that if you interact with this, you get a chance to win a Attractions Group podcast t-shirt. So what we did uh, in terms of the Knott's Berry Farm. That's an awesome uh, pen. pen. is we have now, I think it was 502, 503 subscribers. So we just randomly, you know, went up and down the scroll and picked a winner. And the winner is, uh, they go by the name, uh, the Cappy Man. So the Cappy Man. Uh, you are the winner of the Knott's pen. And what we need you to do is we need you to direct message us and claim your prize. And then we'll touch base with you and get your mailing address and uh, the other information that we need to send this to you. And then in terms of the interaction on our post for the T-shirt, uh, the winner of that was Shanna Cook. Shanna Cook. All right. Cool. Yeah. So, so to be Cook. clear how we operate, <laughs> I saw that tweet when you guys did, and I was like, what's your plan with this T-shirt? Because I don't have a T-shirt to give them. But... <laughs> But fortunately, you know, it's um it's not hard to make a t-shirt. But we we got uh, some cool ideas for the design and stuff. And Shanna, if you want to yeah. reach out to us, send us a DM. Uh, if anybody knows uh, any of these two individuals and you want to tag them in the Attractions Group podcast to remind them to send us a DM, that would probably be helpful to them um, and us because now we're stuck with a t-shirt and a boysenberry pin that we're trying to give away. But um, yeah, congratulations to them. We're going to do more of this. So make sure you're following us yeah, on Twitter. And if you have interest in attraction group podcast t-shirts i mean certainly again on our our twitter you know uh tweet at us you know tell us you'd be interested in a shirt uh you know there's some other souvenir items that ryan and i have kind of kicked around that uh you know we'd be interested in introducing if you're interested in in those kind of things but uh you know as we grow as a channel and as a platform uh there's going to be more you know those kind of things we have to kind of make sure that we find ways to create more awareness for ourselves so by wearing that t-shirt, that's going to be one of the ways that that's going to happen. Yeah. So, you know, appreciate uh, those who followed us on Twitter. We appreciate uh, those who interacted with that tweet. Um, you know, we've grown a lot, especially in the last month or so. It's been an extraordinarily successful March. It's already kicking off to be an extraordinarily successful April. So Don and I are both very excited and we are so grateful for you for being along for the ride. With that being said... It's time for the segment that everybody's been waiting for. And it is time for the pick six. Now, this is a compendium of news and notes from around the attractions industry. And Ryan, you're going to kick it off. I am going to kick it off because uh, Universal, for story number one, Universal actually issued a new patent. Now, patents don't necessarily mean anything, but, um, uh, you know, they, they are kind of a indication of what different companies have planned for the future, but Universal patented a new wild carousel ride. Um, so I'm looking at the article for it and it's a figure eight design. It's a choreographed ride system and methods is the way that they described it. Uh, this patent was filed on March 30th. Uh, it, it describes a type of trackless ride system for vehicles that can move up and down while rolling side to side influenced by user input while moving relative to other vehicles along a ride path. 
I know that's a mouthful. It sounds super exciting and it has Epic Universe written all over it, doesn't it? Yeah, really, really exciting concept, you know, looking at uh, the different uh, renderings and that that they had of it. But what I like about it is it's taken a classic attraction, the carousel, and finding a way to reimagine it. And I, I think, you know, this comes to be, I think it's going to be really cool. Yeah, yeah, I I, I completely agree. Um, you know, with the patents and stuff, I mean, especially Disney Universal, the big boys like that. Uh, it, Apple's known for this too. They file patents for stuff and nothing ever comes of them. But with that being said, you know, the, the research and development is there for this product. So maybe we'll see it. Maybe we won't, but I'm in the camp of hoping that we do because that's pretty cool. I do too. I mean, it's, it's going to be, you know, very, very exciting. And I'll use the term wild with the experience that you can have on that. Uh, you would. All right. Uh, <laughs> next on our list of the pick six the wait is finally over, Ryan. Tron has finally opened at Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom. And looking at the different online reviews in that, you know, it seems like it's been worth the wait. Yeah. Um, so the particular article that uh, that I was working with, um, you know, when, when drawing the story together, pointed out an interesting fact. Um, since How long has it been since the announcement? I think it was like it's 1000 something days, you know, um, you yeah. know, obviously it was yeah, three or three or four years about different or distance between that, you know, it was rolling along right before, you know, a lot of momentum and everything. And then the pandemic hit. Okay. So Don, without looking at the article, I know you looked at this, but I don't know if you remember or not, how many days has it been since the announcement of Tron? I'm going to go with 1200. Well, Don, you know, under typical circumstances, you might be right. However, according to this article, and this is the words of the article, not me, it's been 2,089 days since the announcement of Tron. <laughs> 2,089 days. 2,089 well, days since the announcement of Tron. Worth the okay. wait, though. You know, it, it really has been. Um, about six years. You know what? Now I think about it. Yeah. yeah about six years. You know, 2017, 18. You know, that really wasn't that far. Yeah, yeah, and and, and you got to so, think yeah. it had a three year pause on it because of the pandemic. In twenty twenty, they boarded up the building essentially, so um, it works. It works out. Uh, my understanding is the ride experience has been very good. So they've really had a um, a really kind of banger one two punch between Guardians of the Galaxy and Tron recently. So, mm. um, you know, the, the competition is definitely heating up in Central Florida, uh, but Disney's not taking a line down, are they? Not at all. No, I, I I completely agree. Awesome. So let's go with uh, story number three. What do we got going on here? Oh, speaking of Disney, you know, not taking it lying down. Um, there's so many articles out right now wondering if Disney is going to add a fifth theme park, like a fifth gate. Um, and that's been speculated for a long time. But the um, there's now evidence for the fact that they're considering it. Um, part of the Reedy Creek Improvement District Developer Agreement shows that there are plans in the works to add an additional theme park by 2032, which sounds like far off, but that's less than 10 years from now. Um, there are four theme parks, uh, and if one additional one is approved through 2032, uh, and they want to add 14,000 new keys through 2032. I'm guessing that's, is that hotel rooms, do you think? Keys? Hotel rooms. Okay, so fourteen thousand new hotel rooms. So that is, um, you think a big hotel is about four hundred rooms, so that's almost four giant hotels. 
you know, because you think of like a normal Great Wolf Lodge, I think is about 400 rooms. Right. And that's that's a big hotel. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty impressive. Um, Don, if if they were going to add an, another gate, what do you think they could do differently? Like, what do you think their take on it could be? Well, I think let's first start off. One of the reasons I think they'd want to do this is just for crowd control. You know, you want it there, you know, usually packed in each of their four parks. So it's a way to kind of spread that out a little bit and offer a better experience than what, uh, you know, guests may be receiving today. And I think the other piece of this is it, it seems like it's a little bit of a counter uh, to what Universal was doing. So, um, you know, with that being said, I, I think, you know, they can do a lot of things, you know, a lot of IPs to work with. Uh, so, you know, it'll be exciting to see uh, what develops off of this. So uh, if you were going to give this a one to 10 chance with one being absolutely not and 10 being definite, where would you place it? Just top of your head. Well, I'd put it at an eight. You think it's pretty that uh, possible? Maybe, maybe nine that it will, that it will happen. Um, yeah, eventually. I mean, it's going to have to happen. I mean, they, they need, uh, you know, to kind of spread out the crowd a little bit, like I, I mentioned. But yeah, I, I think in eight, you know, that'll be it'll happen. Uh, you know, you're talking, what, nine, ten years down the road. You know, it's plenty of time to, to plan and, and get everything together to do that. They certainly have the land to add a, a fifth, fifth gate there. So uh, I think two or three years from now, we'll probably hear a lot more, a little bit more concrete. Uh, you know, confirm type things right now. It's just a lot of talk. Yeah, I agree. And I, I know that, um, uh, I don't know if it's Reedy Creek or Disney particularly was purchasing a bunch of land that is designated for like nature preserve. This was a couple years ago. And the reason why they were doing that, it wasn't so much to develop on it, but it's one of those things where if they can prove that they're preserving nature in one place, they can develop on originally you know, wooded areas in the first place. And that to me is kind of like an, an indicator, you know, I don't think that they'd have to purchase, you know, 300 acres of woods that they'll never use to add star Wars. You know, I think that we're, we're talking about a gate here. Mm -hmm. Awesome. What's up? Yeah, I think, I think that that'll be good. Uh, you know, again, three, four years down the line, we'll know a lot more about that. Uh, number four on our pick six, um, Air Force one at, down in uh, Georgia, Atlanta area for Fun Spot, uh, made its debut on March 31st. It has opened to rave reviews with the uh, coaster enthusiast community. A uh, number of them already calling it, you know, uh, one of their, you know, if not number one already, it's definitely in their top 10. Uh, they're just raving about it. What have you heard? You know, I, I've watched a lot of the the vlogs and stuff. I didn't have the opportunity to go down there for its media day or anything like that. But uh, yeah, uh, some people are saying that it could be the best RMC, which has a lot of great competition between Steel Vengeance, Iron Gwazi, Lightning Rod. I mean, there there's a Mount Rushmore of coasters. And a lot of those are RMC. So if this is going to sit on the same shelf as them, then I, I got to make it down to Atlanta. <laughs> what I like about it, Ryan, is it's beautiful looking with the colors, the red, white, and blue. Um, so if you're a photographer, you're going to like that. So I, I think even, even if you're not someone that's going to ride uh, that type of ride, cause it's, it's going to be pretty intense, you know, with the inversions and in that it's still something that, you know, it's going to draw you to it. You're going to look at it. You're going to take pictures of it, you know? So uh, I think that's a great thing. I agree. And I think that probably the best thing that sums up uh, the way that I think a lot of people are feeling is uh, I regularly watch uh, my friend Brandon on theme park predictions uh, on YouTube. He 
basically kind of when he did his review of it, he's like, I had to ride this like 10 times before I could actually come up with the words for it. So the fact that it left him like breathless and, you know, I've got to collect my thoughts and stuff means that there's a lot more to the story that the ride's telling while you're on it uh, than an average ride, which I, I think is so cool. Yeah, it just had, like I said, just rave reviews and, you know, that that's great for fun spot. Awesome. Yeah. So good for them down a fun spot, America, Atlanta. Okay. Uh, next story. So, uh, you know, I almost didn't include this because it sounds so absurd, but I found several articles. Uh, they're thinking about putting a Silicon Valley themed amusement park in Silicon Valley. Uh, future land is the, the term that they're using for it. Uh, it's going to be situated near Baylands golf links. Um, and it's, uh, it, this is in the, the, Palo Alto area. That's where like Steve Jobs grew up and stuff. It's in the the Bay Area. Uh and apparently this is like a lot of city officials have said that um this is actually something being discussed. So but uh they think they could bring in a potential twenty to thirty five million dollars in annual taxes to the city, uh, which would be a revenue of you know half a billion dollars, I would say, if you if you do the back engineering on that. Um my concern would be, uh, if you know anything about Northern California and theme parks, it often happens that the theme park becomes worth a lot less than the land is worth. Uh, and that happens more often than we want it to happen in nor uh, everywhere, not just Northern California. Um, would you visit a Silicon Valley themed theme park in Silicon Valley? Well, I think I definitely would want to check it out if I was, you know, within say a two or three hour drive of it yeah i think i would i think the concept you know it's interesting uh from what i've read about it um i i just don't know about the location though you know i i think you're going to have to rely a lot on the locals and i don't know when you're just relying on locals if there's enough there to make it work long term yeah that that's the thing i mean like people typically uh, you know nowadays don't throw a shovel in the ground until they're pretty sure it's going to be successful but with that being said, I mean, that's that's one of the most expensive areas in the United States. And so the land itself would be terribly expensive and the value is only going to go up. Um, and, you know, the equity in the land is only going to go up in terms of like. What if Apple wants to buy it? Are you going to say no to them? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What if HP wants to buy it? You know, there's so many companies in that area that are based out of that area that they could buy it and just make a public park for their employees. And they have the money to do that. Um, so I, I chalked this up as questionable, but I mean, I included it because I didn't think, I thought that it was a speculation that some idiot had. Uh, it turns out the idiot was me because there's serious talks about this. Yeah. I, for me, Everyone that I know that says they've been to Silicon Valley, they work there. Yeah, absolutely. Because you couldn't afford to live there unless you worked in Silicon Valley. Exactly. With that, number six, our final of the pick six, Carowinds, North Carolina, South Carolina, right there on that border there. It turns 50 this year. It's opening in 1973. They've added several new rides. A brand new area this year, uh, you know, really doing it up well for their 50th anniversary. I'm so excited for them because uh, I know how that company does 50th anniversaries firsthand. Uh, and that was the best season ever. So uh, I'm excited for all my friends in the Carolina area 
to, to experience that. Cause I assume it's going to be, I mean, obviously it's not the same cause it's not the same story, but, um, just to celebrate such a milestone like that for a park is just so excited to be a part of, uh, my first ever experience with that, um, that in my memory was, you know, Cedar point with their 150th was incredible. Kings islands was, I couldn't ask for anymore. Um, and then you got Carowinds and then a lot of the other parks within that chain itself are also hitting 50. The, yeah, Worlds the, of Fun turning 50 this year. Yeah, yeah. And I think next year you have some, t- well, you have King's Dominion coming up too in 1975, mm-hmm. right? 1975. Correct. We're going to have to go on a 50th anniversary tour of the podcast when our podcast is barely, not even a year old, but we'll visit yeah, parks that turn a, 50. <laughs> yeah, the new area, um, Aeronautica Landing mm-hmm. that they're they're opening there at uh, Carowinds, just a perfect fit. Looks so good, doesn't for it? That part of the country where you know navigation, you know, is what they're known for. So um, I just think it's a great tie-in uh, to where they're located. Uh, it's going to look beautiful from what I've seen of all the renderings and just photos that I've seen people posting, um, you know, on social media about it. So I do have a, a trip planned to Carowinds uh, this year. Not exactly sure when I'm going to go, but I cannot wait to see the new area. And that park has really grown uh, over the, the past 12, 13 years since putting an in Intimidator in 2010. I mean, it has become a destination. Yeah, uh, it, it has. It's grown with the area uh, now year round, by the way. Let's let's not forget that. So uh, you talk about a park that's way different than it was 10 years ago. You know, completely different product now, better product, you know, and they're another one where everyone's posting on. I haven't been there yet, full disclosure, but everyone's posting on social media about the food there. They're in King's Dominion. They're talking about the food a lot. So that's cool. That means that it's uh, the whole food thing is working its way out. You know, it's not just Disney. Yeah, when they opened up Harmony Hall, uh, that was a game changer for that park. And Mm. the culinary experience there now is, I mean, it's top shelf. That's awesome. Cool. Well, Don, do you have any final words of wisdom for our fine audience this week? Uh, You know, appreciate you listening. Uh, Thanks for those that have interacted with our social media posts. There's going to be a lot more things that uh, we're going to be doing for your chance to win prizes. I think that, uh, you know, we've always talked about wanting to be very interactive with our audience. Uh, Ryan and I have talked many times about, uh, you know, doing a live uh, episode on YouTube and we would want that to be audience participation. So, uh, you know, stay tuned. A lot of, a lot of really fun things are coming to the attractions group podcast. That's awesome. Well, make sure that uh, if you're listening to us, uh, please also subscribe on YouTube by searching for the attractions group podcast. If you're watching us, please also subscribe to the audio version on your favorite podcast apps, Apple, Google, Spotify, and so on by searching for the attractions group podcast. Uh, There's a buy me a coffee link. If you want to make a small donation to the show to keep it going, we appreciate that. You don't have to do it, but we would appreciate it if you choose to. And uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter because we're giving away stuff like boysenberry pins and t-shirts. And what was the Coney Island book before? That's at attractions underscore GRP. So thank you, everybody. Good day. We will see you next week.